to Sin City. Get ready for in-depth chat on new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you cinephiles. Only on CMRU.ca and Feel Loud Images. And now, to your host, Nick Manessas. Hello there, and welcome back to the city. I am your host, Nick, and I'm joined today by Trevor Chambers, and for the sake of keeping his name short, the T-Man. Hello, T. How do you do today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show again. It's, it's been a while, but it's always a great time being on your show. So thanks, man. Thank you. In fact, yes, you're right. It's been nearly an entire year since we've had you on the show. What a loss, man, because you are the perfect guest for this, really, given your love, our love for slasher and horror. And today is a very, very special day because we will be going over the entirety of the A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Now, this is a topic I've always wanted to do since well since day one of the show because we just have to because nightmare is one of the big three horror franchises ever the other two being friday the 13th and halloween since the 80s freddy krueger michael myers and jason Voorhees have been terrifying audiences everywhere Everyone knows who they are. Even if you've never seen a horror movie, you know who these characters are right off the bat. And they're that iconic. Even today, even though two out of three of them haven't shown up in any new movies lately. Yeah, no, they're extremely iconic. It's you, Freddy Krueger's always used in pop culture jokes or same with Jason and Michael Myers. I mean, come on, there's a new movie coming out this week. I agree with you. Those three are the ultimate iconics. And then you have your like, other ones like Chucky or Leatherface, but those three are are just so iconic. I grew up with them and yes, I love them. Freddy and Michael Myers are pretty much tied to be my favorite. Freddy just, just pushes Michael Myers out just a little bit for me, but that's because of my own personal childhood nostalgia. Definitely, mine too. Yeah, this was one of my early introductions to horror. And at the same time, yeah, Freddy, he is definitely a cut above the other two because he's very unique. He has, he and he's played by one actor, well, two of you kind of the remake, of course, but he actually speaks unlike the other two. And on top of that, he doesn't need to wear a mask. He is not at all afraid to show off his hideous face. Like, come on, have you seen the guy? He almost looks like a pizza that was oh, overcooked for too long. Does look like a pizza. Yeah, and his makeup effects always changed in every movie, but it was always equally as gross. So that's the thing. Yeah, Wes Craven was like, I'm not putting a mask on him and he's not going to carry a knife. I want him to be more... Well, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Something more grounded in way back then. He said, what was the original weapon that was ever used? And he thought, well, what was so primal? An animal. Think of a bear claw reaching around the corner. And he thought, that's perfect. That's what that's what his weapon's going to be. It's going to be the claw, the most original weapon ever. And he's not going to wear a mask because he wants him to talk and show expressions and make him a burn victim. There you go. It's just, ugh, it's just terrifying. Terrifying. At the same time, too. Unlike, well, Michael is still far from a nice guy. He kills because it's in his nature. And Jason does what he does because he loves his mommy. But Freddy, no. Freddy is one irredeemable asshole. Like, come on. The dude, he killed kids when he was alive because it's fun. And as if killing them wasn't enough, he came back from the dead to torment and kill them. All while being a cruel, vicious, and mean-spirited asshole. Oh, yeah. Where do you get people in their most vulnerable state when they're dreaming, when they're asleep? You can't hide in your dreams. And Freddie made that clear. Unless, as we will discuss in some of the in all the movies and the sequels, they always found a way to kind of get past it. But he always comes back. You can't kill him. He's 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 permanent. He's a he's like a dream creature. It's insane. So, yeah, I know it's like that's how disgusting he is. Murders children, comes back after his, their their parents get revenge on him and kill him and burn him alive. Comes back in their dreams, where they're the most vulnerable and gets get, brings out their worst fears and kills them, which they end up dying for real. It's like, yeah, I, I would say he's pretty much the lowest of the low when it comes to just complete ruthlessness and psychotic and 
terrifying, and his kills are just insane. Right, very insane, which we'll get to now. And to yeah. all of you viewers out there, you're in luck, because with the help of the T-Man, we're going to be going over the entirety of the Nightmare franchise, all the way from Wes Craven's original film to the mediocre 2010 remake. So with all that said, put on your hat and sweater, and welcome to prime time, bitch! Let's do this. Nice. You gave my favorite Freddy quote. Anyway, sorry. Yes, let's do this. <laughs> let's go back to the beginning, to the one that started it all. Now, A Nightmare on Elm Street. First off, yeah, this film is a perfect masterpiece. An insanely good work of art. And rewatching the sequels, and it feels very different when you go back to the original. It's more of a, a bit of a slow burner and more serious in tone as compared to the other sequels, really. And it's more about kind of like a whodunit, if you think about it. It's more like the mystery of who is this dream killer. Yeah, and that's what I liked about it. Because, you know, you know, you kind of get the roots of Freddy's character and... um yeah, you find out more about him as a killer. The one thing that stood out for me on this film, this wasn't the first Elm Street that I watched. The first one I watched was part four. So I thought, which we'll get to, but I thought, oh, so Freddy's really funny. He's like a comedy guy. But he's not scary. He's not that scary. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and watch the first one. And I was a kid at the time. I rented it from a blockbuster video. If any of your listeners know what that is, hopefully you have some older listeners. Um, but yeah, I went to the video store and rented it and I thought, oh, okay, cool. Funny Freddy. He is not funny in this movie at all. He is not funny. It was the most d- disturbing film I had ever seen as a kid. I couldn't sleep for weeks. I actually couldn't even get through the film after Tina was brutally murdered. I uh, flipped around the bedroom. I thought, yo, <laughs> I was like, this is not the Freddy that I, I watched in the other film. So you're absolutely right. This film has its own tone. Um, I think that's thanks to Wes Craven, uh, cause he definitely has a certain way of capturing terror and making things, um, just, just so terrifying. And yeah. And, and, and this character is, means a lot to Wes Craven because he came up with the story. He wrote the story. He came up with the character. So it was his character to really show what, how terrible this guy is. And that's why when you look at the other sequels, they're not Wes Craven minus a, a not one that another one we'll get to later. But, um, that's why he started becoming wisecracky and funny. And it just to me, I was kind of like, okay. I mean, that's iconic, but. I mean, we wouldn't have had Welcome to Prime Time, bitch. But <laughs> I mean, mind you, that is my favorite Freddy film, which we will get to. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. This film is just the perfect first film in a iconic horror franchise. Definitely, yeah. And, and to your point, yes, you're right. Because Freddy, yes, Freddy's always had a sense of humor. But in this one, he's more serious and reserved. His humor is more to scare, to unnerve his victims, not just laugh at their expense. So to all of you who are starting a nightmare marathon later this Halloween, be careful because these little jokes and one-liners are going to become Freddy's entire personality from here on out. But I, I love Freddy Krueger. We all love Freddy Krueger. But personally, I love him more when he's darker and serious. In the original film, he barely had any screen time and any lines. He was mostly hidden in the shadows and smirking. And when he did say something, it was more short, straight and to the point. Yeah. Like, I'm your boyfriend now. And then the tongue comes out of the phone. Like, that's funny. But at the same time, that's disturbing. She just butchered Johnny Depp, her boyfriend, Um, even with Tina. Yeah, he, he was just so quick with her or when she when she says, please, God. And then he's like that or he pulls up his claws. He's like, this is God. It's like, oh, my God, that's so. Ooh. Or he's like, hey, Tina, watch this. And he cuts his fingers off. <laughs> so, like, he's so tormenty. It's so disturbing. So, yeah, no, it's yeah, not not fun, Freddy, but definitely scary. Freddy, the one you don't want to run into in your dream. Oh, no, not at all. And. They say every hero is as good as the villain. And in this case, Freddy's opponent, Nancy Thompson, played by the wonderful Heather Langenkamp, is one of the greatest horror movie protagonists ever. She, I just love her. She's very strong, self-assured, and proactive. I love how she immediately comes up with a plan to take out Freddy. And I love when she gets really pissed at Johnny, at Johnny Depp, her boyfriend, for falling asleep. She ain't taking no shit from that guy. She's like, 
just you had I asked you to do one thing, you shit, and you couldn't even do that. <laughs> like he, he was supposed to keep a lookout for her and he falls asleep with her and she ended up getting attacked. <laughs> so yeah. It was just I know, she's very determined. She knows something's not right. I think when I've seen the film a million times and I I think she knew. I think she knew when her and Glenn walk into the like break into the room because Tina's screaming and there she is laying dead and um uh, Rod has taken off, Tina's boyfriend. I, I feel like Nancy kind of was already like, and then when Rod confronted her outside of her house in the daytime, she knew something was up. She was like, no, no, no normal guy could do this. Rod would never do something like that. And when he was describing, like, he's like, it's like, it's like the guy had claws like ripping through her. And she was like, oh, like she was already having nightmares about that guy. So she was so smart and intuitive. She was already connecting the dots thinking, okay, wait a second. We can't be all dreaming about the same guy. Because they established that earlier. Tina and Nancy and Glenn were all saying, yeah, we dreamt about the same guy. That's really weird. And even Rod tries to scare them with a garden, garden, uh, a hoe or whatever. Or, yeah, I guess claws. And because he also dreamt about that. So, yeah, Nancy was just so smart. She knew right away something was up. And so she started doing research. Damn, damn, yeah. What, like, what a woman, too. Definitely, I team up with Nancy if she, if the apocalypse ever came up, because she is just so resourceful. And, so resourceful. Right, and at the same time, I'm guessing you knew this already, but Freddy, the character of Freddy Krueger was actually based on a homeless man that Wes Craven met when he was a kid who kept stalking him and was just unnerving. And at the same time, Freddy is based on neglect. And my God, the, the clot glove... We we know he's the bad guy and all, but you gotta give it to Freddy for the creativity department. Because not to take away from Michael or Jason, but when you see the clawed glove, you know immediately it's Freddy. But you get a kitchen knife, you can easily find it. When you ask someone, hey, I have a kitchen knife right here. Who does this remind you of? And some will say Michael, some will say uh, Gordon Ramsay or Martha Stewart. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The Food Network? Yeah. That's so true, though. You you hold up claws or gloves with the claw. It's like there's literally only one person you think of, or I wouldn't call Freddy a person. Only one demon beast you think of, and it's Freddy Krueger. It's so iconic. What amazes me, too, from my research is that A Nightmare on Elm Street was originally supposed to be just a one-time thing only. Wes Craven didn't want there to be any sequels. The ending was supposed to have a happier note, but studio interfered and wanted to be bleak just so they could churn out more sequels and squeeze out more money from us. Oh, that ending, that's thanks to Robert Shea. So Robert Shea, you know, you have to thank him at at the same time because... he, he was the only one that believed in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes Craven was shopping this movie around for about five years. Nobody wanted to touch Wes Craven because he did Last House on the Left, which as, as well as it did, it freaked people out. It was a little too disturbing. So no one wanted to buy this movie. And finally, um, um, Robert Shea from New Line Cinema stepped up and he was like, fine, I'll buy this movie. I'm giving you a million dollars. Go nuts. And did the movie, yada, yada. And it ended up, the ending, like you said, he was just like, no, I want room for a sequel. You're, you're, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a studio executive. He's no different than Mustafa Akkad with Halloween, who I'm sorry, rest in peace. I honestly think he ruined the Halloween franchise because he wanted a sequel. He ruined Halloween H2O by doing Halloween Resurrection. This is typical Robert Shea, head executive, um, a movie studio behavior because that ending of Elm Street, that movie is so good. And then you get to that ending and you're like, are you serious? <laughs> When the mom gets pulled through the door with a blow-up doll, it's a blow-up doll, clearly a blow-up doll. I was like, no. Wes Craven says he can't even watch that ending. He, he says if he ever watches Elm Street, he cuts it off. He shuts it off right when you see the girls jump roping because that's how it was supposed to end. It was supposed to be kind of mysterious of, oh, those girls are still singing the Freddy nursery rhyme. But no, he had to throw in Freddy pulling the mom through the door. It's like, really? That's too much on the nose. Oh, yeah. I was like, what the hell? Um... But yeah, yeah, Shay wanted the ending to ending scene to actually be a nightmare. He didn't want it to feel um, up in the air. So yeah, but the Wes Craven said, you know what? I'm thankful that you even took this movie. Let's compromise. Fine, I'll give you the ending that you want. And what? And then Elm Street ended up making 25 million dollars, and it's always called New Line Cinema is always referred to as the house that Freddie built. If it wasn't for a Nightmare on Elm Street, New Line Cinema probably would have tanked. Absolutely, yeah, but. 
one thing is clear, of course, that good ending or bad ending, nothing can take away from the mastery that is Wes Craven's original film. It's iconic, the practical effects superb from Tina's bedroom death and Glenn's very, very bloody bedroom escapade. And also... On top of that, it came at the right time, given how, you know, how the Halloween and Friday the 13th sequels were starting to run out of steam and lose their punch. It gave us something new. What if the killer could stalk you in your dreams? Now, that is original, completely unheard of. And we all owe it to Wes Craven, a true master of horror. Oh, true master of horror. Iconic movie. Love it. And yeah, anyone that hasn't seen it, go see it. I was fortunate enough that I actually got to see it in theaters last year. During the pandemic, they didn't have any new movies, right? So they're re- re- like putting a bunch of classic films in theaters and Nightmare on Elm Street was one of them. So it was so cool. And Scream. So it was so cool to go see Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street in theaters. Specifically this movie because it's from 1984. So I wasn't even alive when this came out. So it was so cool to see it in theaters. And yes, iconic Love this film. But of course, they had to make sequels. Well, it's a gift and a curse, as I mentioned for our Halloween episode back then, because without the sequels, Freddy wouldn't become the pop culture icon he is today. And he would continue that streak in the next film, in Freddy's Revenge, a.k.a. The One with homoerotic subtext. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to say it's the gay Freddy. And as a gay man, uh, trust me, I saw all the hints. I actually just watched the movie yesterday. Um, cause it's, it's free right now. If you guys, anyone listening has stars, if you're listening in October, 2021, it is streaming free right now. Um, yeah. What a movie. I have a lot of, I have a lot of issues with this movie. I have a lot of compliments about this movie. This one's really controversial. And I actually watched, there's a whole documentary on this movie called screen. Oh wait, screen queen. Yes. Yeah. Um, where the, the Mark. Patton, I think is his name, the the lead actor in this movie, did a whole documentary about how this ruined his career and how he he was claiming the director already knew about the homosexual um sub or sorry, the subcontext or um yeah, everything did everything homoerotic in this film was intentional. Whereas when you ask the director, he's like, No, it wasn't, no, it wasn't. And it's like, dude, okay, yeah, you're the gym teachers and a gay SM bar. They're <laughs> There's so much we could talk about in this film that's the gay... Even the whole plot of Freddy being inside this boy saying, you know, like he's representing the the repressed anger of, you know, the self-hatred of being gay. And Freddy represents that, that anger of being gay. And he just wants to come out of him and he doesn't want him to come out. And oh, God. However, there are some good death scenes in this movie. Freddy is still scary as F in this. He looks amazing in this movie. Um, it takes place in Nancy's house still. Yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this film? <laughs> Very good question. And what everything you just said, I was really not surprised to hear you say that because this is considered to be the black sheep of the Nightmare franchise. Because yeah. I... I understand what they were going for here. They wanted to do something new, even though we don't see Nancy, but other than a mention of her and the fact that the protagonist is staying in her house, it still keeps the continuity of the last film, but tells a new story as well. And I was... I'm not sure what to say or think about the homoerotic subtext, to be honest, but I understand how Mark Patton felt about it, given how he was closeted at the time. But I do appreciate the metaphor they did with what Freddie represents in this film, his Jesse's fear of coming out. And although the movie doesn't really spell out or explicitly say gay or homosexual, it's pretty obvious that Jesse is gay, of course, given the subtext we see and how he spends more time with his friend uh, Grady and shows very little interest in his girlfriend, Lisa. And yeah, you're right. Out of all the sequels, I love how they kept Freddy darker and meaner. He never diffuses the tension by cracking a joke. I just, again, I love dark and serious Freddy. But not everything is great, that's for sure. Like, Freddy killing all those people at the pool party, it just feels weird seeing Freddy killing in the real world. It kind of goes against his whole shtick. Oh, Wes Craven hated that. He said when the sequel came out, he's like, oh, they've totally lost the plot. He's like, you've just taken away all the, the lure and what made Freddy scary. You can't take him, 
you can't put him in a scenario like that. So yeah, that scene was terrible. Um, yeah, this movie was just so much. There's so much to take in. Um, I definitely watch it if you're if you're gonna binge watch the Elm Street franchise. Watch part two. It's a lot of fun. Just don't. It's not canon. So don't just watch it as its own little set as a sequel to the first one. And then it just disappears. You don't, it's never referenced ever again. And if it wasn't for number two, we wouldn't have my favorite Elm street part three. So yeah. And you know what? My favorite part in Elm street part two, that it has a really epic scene where Freddie actually comes out of um, the, the main character. He actually rips through him and comes like, I, it, that's disgusting. And I thought that's pretty cool. I'm like, I like that, but that was it. <laughs> Practical effects. Again, Nightmare on Elm Street movies, good or bad, the practical effects team deserve top marks for this. But now let's get to the good stuff now as we go with yeah. Nightmare 3, the Dream Warriors, a.k.a. the one with prime time, bitch. <laughs> so good. This one is my all-time favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film. So this is the one I go to all the time when I want to watch an Elm Street film. They got everything right in this film. They had a good balance of scary, of Freddy Krueger being scary, but also this is where his comedic side started coming out, as you just mentioned, the welcome to primetime bitch. Um, the kills are amazing. It felt more like a fantasy horror film, which I really appreciate because I love fantasy elements in horror. And they always kind of touched on it in the last two films that we just spoke of. This one gets it right. You're talking about dream warriors. How cool is that? So, you know, all these kids are in a mental asylum and they all discover their own powers. But I'll let you actually, I'll let you describe the plot and then we'll get into it. Of course. So, yeah, this is basically, it all takes place in a mental hospital where Freddy's targeting the kids who were the last of the Elm Street parents. And we get a great return from Heather Langenkamp as Nancy, who I think this is her in her top form. And of course, this is the film debut of Patricia Arquette as Kristen Parker. All of the characters, you love these characters. You care about them. You actually want them to fight against the big bad Freddy. And like I said before, Freddy Krueger is an asshole. His kills here are just so cruel. Like when the puppet master and the fact the, oh. the syringe kills. But still, again, great practical effects. These kills are among the best and most iconic in all of horror. I think when Freddy is not busy killing teens, he spends most of his time in the boiler room creating a pamphlet no not even a pamphlet an entire binder on ways on how to dispatch of teens <laughs> yeah it's just i love it i love it it's so good and like you said they brought they brought um nancy back oh it's just so good like even the opening scene with with uh when you're introduced to Kristen parker played by patricia arquette as you mentioned um it's just every they got everything right about this movie and it makes sense wes craven actually wrote it well he wrote most of it. I read the original script that he wrote and it was a little, a little graphic. So they kind of went in and rewrote a little bit of it. But the main premise was these kids were all in a psychiatric hospital and all of their deaths are so cool because they tap into all of their fears. So, you know, you have the, 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 um, Taryn, uh, the punk rocker girl, you know, she's an ex drug addict. So yeah, the needles, like, what does he say again? I can't remember. He's like, let's get high or something. And he just sticks in her arm. Her head was originally supposed to blow up, but they couldn't get the effect to work. So they just did the big veins in her head, which I found more effective. Heads don't always have to blow up directors. I know they like making heads blow up in horror movies. Doesn't always need to happen. Oy. Um, it, but yeah, the, the puppet kill with Philip, that was terrifying. I remember seeing that and I was so, it's so gross. Because he cuts down the arms and uses his veins or tendons as a, like, what the hell? Like, who thinks of this? Like you said, like, that is so graphic. Um, everything was good. You know, um, I had a lot of friends that were into Dungeons and Dragons. So to have um, Will be the, the, the wizard master. <laughs> like, Sorry, kid. I don't believe in fairy tales. <laughs> Stabs him. That was so good, though. I am the wizard master. And I was like, yeah, he's got him. And I'm like, no, you, Freddy, you can't kill Freddy with green lightning bolts uh, or whatever those were. It was just it, all of it was so good. And then there's Joey and Kincaid who, you know, if you guys are listening, whoever's listening to this, obviously it's spoilers, but they're going to be in part four. Um, and they each had their own powers, strength. And Joey never, he was a mute through the whole movie. And then he finally let his 
dream power come out and he his he can shriek so loud that it actually can blow things up and man this movie just hits every note and it goes into the lore, the myth the mythos or like the myth of freddy krueger you find out that he's the the the, the bastard son of a hundred maniacs and that his mom was a nun and she was raped by them and it was just like you're like oh okay that explains it a bit more so you have the head doctor trying to find this all out and he has to bury his bones and man i could i i'm sorry i love this movie i could gush about it for hours we could do a whole episode on just part three (laughs) you're right this in fact this is a fan favorite one of the best films and sequels in the whole franchise in fact it surprised me sometimes that sometimes they fans rank this film above the original film even it's got so much so much heart so much fun and horror it's really a fun ride from start to finish as well some people might say the whole fantasy elements are a bit silly but that's it that's the beauty of it all it's it's silly yes but in a in a good way really and although it kind of sucks to see nancy get killed off at the climax it really it's a really good way to cap off her story that is until new nightmare of course which we'll get to really really soon (laughs) yeah amazing film like you said yeah i was sad to see nancy go but you kind of understood you kind of well she was tricked Freddie pretended to be her father. And I was like, don't hug him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I was like, damn, Nancy, we thought you were smarter than that. But hey, that's Freddie, right? He's evil. He's he's tricky. He knows what he's doing. And because this movie did so well for the for, for them as well, you know, it only cost them, I think it didn't cost them that much money to make either. It was a nightmare to, to film, but it was only, I think it was $5 million, but it ended up making about $50 million in the box office or 45 million, which was the highest grossing film for New Line at this point. So obviously they're like, sequels, let's go. We need more sequels. <laughs> so yeah, great film. Love it. Uh, yeah, almost almost a little bit more. Actually, I would rate this one and the first one kind of tied. Excellent yeah. choice. Yeah. And then we'd get another sequel as well with Nightmare 4, The Dream Master, oh. aka The One, where Freddy Bitch. turns a girl into a cockroach. Which yeah. is the shirt that I'm wearing, a Japanese import poster of uh, The Dream Master. <laughs> so um, this, okay, listen, this film's controversial for me because mm-hmm. how do I how do I explain this? So it was the first one that I watched as a kid. So that's where it has a nostalgia with me. So I remember being a kid and just the waterbed scene and the dog pissing fire, which is how Frezzy, Freddy's resurrected, by the way. Great writing. Um, it's directed by Rennie Harlan, who did Die Hard 2, which is another one of my favorite films. And he brought kind of a Japanese horror kind of look and feel to the film. Aesthetically, this is the best looking Elm Street film out of any of them in this series. Story-wise, though, and plot and acting and... Ki- starts to get a little bit off the rails but um yeah what what's this movie even about nick uh nick tell us <laughs> well in this one the fourth film freddy as expected at this point already comes back from the dead to kill all the kids that all the rest of the dream warriors and some girl who apparently for no reason known has the power to bring people inside her dreams yeah it's a film that really needs to be seen in order to be believed but yes you're right this is a very controversial film indeed it's visually stunning the aesthetics again the practical effects aesthetics a plus is for each of them but i think that incoming spoilers nightmare 4 it repeats the same mistake that other films like alien 3 and that god-awful terminator film did by killing off the main characters right off the bat in the very first act which is what the cardinal sin of any sequel really because it undoes all that from the previous films at first i was really sold into the film but by the end of act one all of the returning characters have been killed and on top of that they replace patricia arquette with tuesday night and act as if she's always been like that since forever it just bugs me that she didn't get to return for this. I heard rumors she might have been pregnant during filming. That's what it was. So finally it was confirmed after like how many decades. There's a really cool documentary. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's called Never Sleep Again. It's like a four hour long documentary. It's on Shutter. Pretty sure it's on YouTube as well for free. Um, it goes into all of this. And I think that's what it was. She was pregnant. And I also think she just didn't want to do it. 
Um, and then, yeah, they bring in Tuesday night. And I know Tuesday night saying that epic title theme running from this nightmare, which is like, it's a great 80s pop track. But oh, man, you you just nailed every point. That's what let me down. I grew so attached to those dream warriors from part three. And for the director and the writers to say, forget it. We want new people, new blood, new blood. Get rid of these guys. Who cares? That's such a that's such a smack in the face to the fans. I didn't I didn't care. I didn't give a shit about these new characters. I didn't mind Alice, but it would have been cool if she was there as a new character. But you still had the other dream warriors helping her maybe kill off one or two of them and had at least one survivor. But it was just it was just such a letdown. And this is where Freddie becomes full out, full blown, a cartoon comedian. Right. Yeah. That scene where he puts on the shades, it kind of takes oh. away from the character. Then again, uh, the director said, or any Harlan said he wanted for you to be a cool guy like James Bond. And I think right there, right there, that is the number one problem with this film. I think, yeah, the aesthetics, practical effects, great as always, but I feel that this is a film that it, sacrifices the plot and story in favor for aesthetics and cool visuals. But that is not the solution. It's not enough. It's a film that bought into its hype way too much because Freddy was at the peak of his popularity here. And it's a film that it tries to coast too much on its popularity rather than trying to tell a good, solid story. That's exactly it. And you're right. This was at the peak because after this movie, he was doing videos on MTV. I actually think even before this, um, he had a, a Freddy's Nightmares TV show. There were comic books, stuffed animals, paj pajamas, kids wearing Freddy Krueger pajamas to me is so <laughs> inappropriate. <laughs> oh, look, mom, I got Freddy Krueger. He's a child molester. I'm wearing he's on my pajamas. It's like, but that's what happened to Freddy. He wasn't scary anymore. He wasn't scary I will still watch Elm Street Part 4, but that's purely for personal nostalgic reasons. It was the first one I watched. I am wearing the t-shirt. I mean, that's it. But if I was coming into this franchise as a new fan, I would totally recognize that this movie pretty much killed Scary Freddy. So let's, and we're getting, we haven't even gotten to the next two yet. <laughs> right, and... But still, again, the the kills here are really good still, as as oh, we yeah. can always say. I especially love that cockroach kill where Freddy turns this, snaps her, this girl's bones like a wishbone and then her arms like a wishbone and she slowly turns into a cockroach. The effects, they look something straight out of a David Cronenberg film. That's true, too. Yes, the effects. And yeah, exactly. You and I have the same you and I feel the exact same way about this film, the aesthetics and the kills, the way it looks beautiful. It was it was they called it the Elm Street for the MTV generation back in the 80s because it was just so hip. And it just looks so cool. And I can still I still watch this movie and go, wow, that's so cool. Like when he eats the pizza and all the souls are little meatballs on the pizza and he's it's disgusting. Or when Alice gets sucked into the, the movie theater, like that's a cool scene. Like, a, But you're right. I think the director was so focused on aesthetics and making the movie look a certain way. He forgot about the main point, which is the characters and the characters just I didn't care when they died. I was like, OK, next and one more final note about this film too the i the whole dream master thing was a huge ass pull because oh, seriously the, it's only mentioned in one scene and somehow it becomes the key to destroying freddy krueger for good well at least until the next sequel anyway yeah oh that dream master thing didn't even make any sense so here she is collecting all the powers from everyone that's dying you thought oh she's like this ultimate warrior now no, all she did was show him his reflection in a piece of uh, window. And I'm like, okay, you didn't need all that, those stupid powers to do that FYI. It's a nursery rhyme that you're reciting. And yes, the next one. Oh, Lord. This is the one I've watched the least. <laughs> oh, I think we can all agree with you there, T. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, a.k.a. the one where not much happens. Or rather, the one with Super Freddy. Oh, no, not Super Freddy. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up. Yeah. Oh, these this. So this everything that we just said about part four times that by 20. And that's part five. <laughs> That's it. But but take out anything interesting. Take out the cinematography. Take out the um the the beautiful aesthetic. It's just gone. It's just gone. This movie is boring. It's boring. The kills are eh. Um I just I hate it. I really don't like this movie. I don't like it at all. I can't sit through it. That's one of the few Elm Streets when I look it up, I'll just look up the kills 
And then that's it. I don't want to see any of the crap in between. I hated it. Well, funny you should mention that because I actually haven't seen this movie. I've only seen the kills, and that's about it. The kills are oh, you're great, fine. You're but, covered. <laughs> but that's that's pretty much it, really. Because yeah, the characters, as always, are yeah, nothing really stands out to me. They're just written to have two personality traits, and that's it. And at the same time, I didn't like the the kid actor who did that stupid Freddy impression. Because look, I don't want to really say shit about kid actors because it's not their fault they're kids but they didn't have to rely too much on this kid it's just yeah this is the film the moment the nightmare franchise has turned into full-on stupid but not in a good way not in a good way at all and the story's not even worth mentioning i think it's alice is pregnant freddie is possessing the dreams of her unborn baby and it's making her see it's just, i don't even care it's just so stupid and the, the only kill that i think i kind of liked was when greta who's like this model was getting fed to death i thought okay that's gross that's that's cool and that's about it um the dan's kill on the motorcycle kind of cool as well like where he was becoming one with the motorcycle that's it the super freddy thing was cringy i they could have done so much more when he got sucked into the comic book and that's what they did. I was like, you know what? I'm done. And I can't even think of any other kills in that movie. Is that it? Just three. Yeah. This is the lowest body count in the entire franchise. Actually it doesn't help too, that the MPAA was all over this film's ass. Cause the kills were actually pretty gruesome, but they yeah. got cut down to avoid an X rating. Kind of like what they did with Friday part seven. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. I, I actually saw the uncut kills in that documentary that I was mentioning for part five. And even yeah, they did cut a lot. But even then, I wouldn't save the movie. It was just stupid. What? Do not watch The Dream Child. It's pretty stupid. And we are about to get down to business with the next one, which the title speaks for itself, really. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, a.k.a. the one where Freddy becomes a full-blown Looney Tunes character. My God, this is... uh, First off, this is a so bad it's good movie. Freddy's dead, and so was many fans' enjoyment of this film. <laughs> Touche. Kruger yeah. now has become a parody of his former self, essentially, with some of the Stop. worst acting in the entire franchise. But if there's one, just one, one good thing I could say about this movie is that, well, it's not boring. That's true. The movie is not boring. And I mean, any Elm Street film that has Roseanne and Tom Arnold in it in a cameo, I mean, which was they're at their peak in the early 90s and Johnny Depp making a cameo, Alice Cooper. I mean, they went all out for this film. Like some of the kills were great. It's not boring. But the, the oh, stop explaining why people do what they do. I don't care where Freddy got his powers from. I don't care that Michael Myers was in some sort of thorn cult or whatever. This is what happens when you over explain stuff about why a killer is the way they are. It ruins it. The whole dream demon thing was just plopped in there because they wanted to make a 3D movie. So, oh, it's just so bad. So bad and which shocks me because the director of this is rachel talele she's worked on every single elm street film since the first one as a, uh, i think it was a some sort of assistant production assistant so she knows all of it so she thought oh, i'll take the reins for the this is going to be the last freddy film i'm going to do it it was just so campy it was so campy and i like campy films that are very tongue-in-cheek and funny and it, it was like exactly like you just said. It was Looney Tunes. It wasn't funny. I don't like the storyline. I don't care about Freddy having a daughter. It's they could have at least brought back Alice and killed her off. Yeah, this 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 is a film where nothing you cannot take it seriously at all. And the tagline of the film even lies to us. They say they save the best for last. Yeah. I bet on that. And this film, it might have killed the entire franchise had it not been for Wes Craven, which we'll get to right about now out of this madhouse. And that is, of course, Wes Craven's new nightmare, a.k.a. the one before Scream. And that's I love how you refer to it as that, because I always think that if there was no Wes Craven's new nightmare, I don't think there would have. Well, I mean, he didn't write Scream. Kevin Williamson wrote that. But I think this was Scream before Scream. It was such a meta film. And I didn't know what to expect when I went into this. The trailer is very 
depending which version of the trailer you watch, you think it's just another Elm Street film and you think, wow, um, Heather Langenkamp is coming back. John Saxon. Oh, this is so cool. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, okay. So there's a demon who's taking on the form of Freddy Krueger that's invading the real real world and it's haunting the actors and crew responsible for Elm Street because now that Freddy's dead, everyone's forgotten about him. So he's trying to find a way to come back. And it's I was like, that's pretty brilliant. And again, we all went to Wes Craven for sure. Yeah, looking back, Wes Craven's new nightmare, I think, is essentially what 2018's Halloween was for that franchise in that they basically ignore all of the crappy sequels and pay respect to the original film, tell a new story while also keeping just the stuff we loved from the original. That's so true. They really did. And what was good about this one, though, is that you know, unlike Halloween 2018, which was literally a direct sequel, this one is, like you said, it, it's a direct sequel, but it's not because it's it, it's actually about the actors that were in the movie, and it was it was cool. And to see Freddie come back, uh, he looked a lot different in this film. Um, so his he doesn't have gloves anymore. His hand is actually the the claws are coming the blades are coming out of his bones like in like it's built into his hand because remember this isn't Freddy Krueger this is de- this is a demon that takes on the form of Freddy Krueger um and he's wearing a trench coat his makeup looks more demon like now like it's like flesh ripped off his his skin it's not doesn't look like a burn victim as much anymore and he's scary again he only gives a couple one-liners like hey have you ever played skin the cat yeah, you know, when he kills the babysitter. Um, yeah, there's just so much about this film that I like. I watched it recently. I don't like it as much as I remembered when I first saw it, but I still enjoyed it because I, I love Heather Camp. I love what they tried to do with the film. And especially near the end where everything started to cross, like all of a sudden she's wearing Nancy's pajamas and she's on the same neighborhood of on elm street again like it was cool it was cool i enjoyed it i enjoyed it and it's it's wes craven and not even a few years later we get scream which instead of now going after the film crew that's making a movie they're gonna say okay well how about let's make a film now where we um go after the audience that watches it so i thought it was cool so yeah wes craven is a special film for me when i rank the elm street films i go one three and new nightmare Mm, that's actually the same ranking any fan would give. It would be considered its own trilogy, the Nancy Thompson trilogy, if you think about yeah. it. Because Heather Langenkamp here, she is at the top of her game. Her, so she, she's now matured into more hardened and more passive as well. Because the Freddy Krueger may be the face of the Nightmare franchise, but Nancy, she is the heart and soul of this series. She is the one that we always follow when things get really dark. And I just love how they went a new direction with this one. This is the film that basically saved the entire franchise because I bet Wes Craven must have seen the sequels and let's look how they massacred my boy. Fuck these movies. I'm going to do my own shit now. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt, too. I'm like, oh, he's back. And I love it how he even called it New Nightmare. Like, it's new. (laughs) I'm not calling it Nightmare. Because he even said he he watched because it was the 10 year anniversary. And Robert Shade's like, I really want you to come back. I want you to make this film. And and Wes Craven watched all the films. He's like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how I'm going to come back with a part seven. So that's, he's like, fine, I'm just going to make it about you guys. (laughs) Then you guys are all getting killed. All the actors and everyone. So it was cool. And the kills in this movie, um, I thought were tame compared to the other ones, but I think that was kind of the point. So like when her husband dies in the truck, like the hand comes out of the seat, um, the babysitter was kind of a uh, kind of an homage to Tina's death from the first film. Was that it for death? Mm, that's pretty much it. Yeah, because yeah. it pays respect to the original film, which, by the way, ha- like many horror franchise starters, has a pretty low body count as well, and right. that's perfectly okay. Yeah, and. Oh. At the same time, I love how they poke fun at all the sins the sequels had when they mentioned, because every kid in the world now knows who Freddy Krueger is. He's like Santa Claus or King Kong. It really shows just how Freddy has lost his touch earlier. He went from being this nefarious boogeyman to just 
this icon that kids love everywhere that they tend to forget he happens to be a child killer of all people. I love how they reference that in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. It was the movie was very on point, very meta, and it just was another reason why I love Wes Craven. I loved it. And that and then that was it. And then I thought that's it for Freddy. Because how many years was it until the next one came out? Because that was 94. And I thought that's it. Yeah, what's what's Freddy versus Jason's the next one, right? Right, yes. And at the same time, uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare as well. It also impresses me that Wes Craven managed to do a meta horror film two years before he even made Scream. What a guy. What a guy. He's a total genius. Total genius. Creates Freddy Krueger and then creates Ghostface. Like, come on. (laughs) Amazing. Rest in peace, Wes. Mm -hmm, Very much. And now we move on to Freddy versus Jason. And I'm not going to give this one the one with because the title is pretty self-explanatory. But this is... This is a film that I'm just glad existed in the first place. This, we live now in a time where everything has to cross over or be part of some big universe. I love this movie when I was a kid. Looking back now as I grew up, I was, uh, it could have been better, but much like with any versus titles, Alien versus Predator, Batman v Superman, Godzilla versus Kong, it gets really boring in between the moments where we have the two. Everything you just said, I 100% agree with you. We share the same thoughts on this film. So I saw it in theaters when it came out, and I've been waiting for this film forever. I remember I was nine years old when I watched Jason Goes to Hell. And at the end of that movie, because Jason Goes to Hell was the first Friday film to be released under New Line, Miramax. So they thought, oh, oh, they just got Jason's character. Now there's going to be this big uh, mashup movie of those two fighting. And at the end of Jason Goes to Hell, which was released at the same year, I think, as New Nightmare. No, no, no. A few years earlier, Freddy's hand comes up and grabs Jason's uh, mask and pulls it into hell. So you think, oh, cool. No, this is 2003 that Freddy versus Jason came out. And I thought, holy, I forgot about this movie. And it finally came out. And I was so excited. And I think you're right. Like, I I loved it when I first saw it in theaters. I was just so excited to finally see these two face off and to see Freddy back on the big screen again. um, I was blown away. Um, And I liked what Ronnie Yu, who the director is, he did Bride of Chucky, which I liked how fun that movie was. Yeah, that movie was a lot of fun. I know a lot of people hate it. I thought it was funny. I watched it last night. It's hilarious. Um, So I thought, okay. Ronnie, you even admitted he doesn't know much about Freddy and Jason. He's not a huge fan. He wasn't even a fan of Chucky. He just wanted to add his own touch to the film. And I think they were still very respectful to the characters. They, they, they didn't. Everything was still canon. They didn't erase anything. They showed a lot of clips from Friday the 13th and um, A Nightmare on Elm Street at the beginning of the movie. They kept their storylines pretty much intact of their backgrounds. And I thought it was quite inventive on how those two are going to meet up because there were at least... I think they said about 50 scripts that they read where they were going to go into hell and have a battle, like a big battle tournament in hell. And it just not nothing worked or they were going to have, um, I think it was Tommy Jarvis. I think this is the character's name from Friday the 13th and Alice from dream, uh, dream child and dream master come together to fight them. But they thought, no, fans don't care about those, those protagonists. So they did the right thing. I thought they did the right thing with the story, bringing a new group of teenagers, um, everyone's forgotten about Freddy because they're taking um, that dream suppressant pill and Freddy or Jason is awoken by Freddy to come back and start killing everyone so that people blame Freddy for it. So they re- remember Freddy. I think I got That's it right. right. That's correct. Yes. Very good. A plus too. Yeah. And because, yeah. And it, I think they went the way they went to bring Freddy and Jason together was pretty good. But again, it tends to get drag on when we don't see them fight all the characters. I don't even remember the characters' names, to be honest. They're all superficial, shallow, and spend most of the movie just being assholes to one another. And I think another reason why Freddy versus Jason uh, loses points is that it doesn't it insults our intelligence. It doesn't trust that we can follow a simple story with characters telling other characters and the audience what is happening. I was like, yeah, I know. You don't need to explain it. Just shut up and move on to the next scene. Can I give you the worst example of that? Where she's sitting there out of nowhere. She says, wait a second. 
Freddy died by fire and Jason died by water. How can we use that? I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, that was the worst script writing I've ever heard in any horror movie. You're right. They they talked to the audience like we were stupid. Like, okay, this is what we're doing now. And this is how we're going to do this. It's like, just do it. We're not dumb. Yeah. It's a horror slasher. Whoever wrote the script apparently hasn't heard of something called show don't tell. Other than that, whenever we watch Freddy and Jason fight, their battle is legendary we it's very so gory and bloody i'm glad they gave this an r rating because these are two horror movie mass murderers a pg-13 rating wouldn't work and we get to see how they pay respect to each character with freddy being more sadistic and psychological and how he likes to play with his food and jason more straight to the punch i love that kill when he does a bit of chiropractic practice and then folds that dude in half i think this is kind of jason's film they should have called it jason versus freddy because <laughs> well it's true because freddy only had two kills in this whole movie which is his lowest kill count and i think jason i had to look it up he killed 14 people in the first 45 minutes, which is kind of the whole point of the plot. He's he's killing people so that they blame Freddy for it. But yeah, Freddy had some some of his moments, but I felt like the story was really around how Freddy was bullying Jason and trying to, you know, tormenting him with about his mom and everything. It was just Freddy is at his pure evilness here and the demon Freddy that he looks so cool. I think it was near the end where. He had new makeup on, but he looked really demon-like and was just terrifying. He jumps out of the lake and the color grading switches to red in the film. And it's just, you're right. That whole last act of the film was a lot of fun to watch. And that's the point. It's a popcorn movie. I sat in theaters watching it and I had my popcorn in hand and I had a great time. No different than watching an amazing WWE match or watching... You know, Godzilla versus Kong or all those classic Titans coming together to fight. They knew what they had to do with this film. And I think they did it. It could have been a lot better. <laughs> but I mean, one other one word I would describe this entire film would be uneven. It just kind of sucks seeing the kills feature too much CGI because the Nightmare on Friday franchises, they excelled the way they were at the top of their game because of practical effects. It would have been cool if they could have at least bring Tom Savini. I forgot about the CG. Yeah, that was really bad. When Freddy turns into that giant caterpillar, why didn't why not make first of all don't even do that scene but if you're gonna do it make it like practical like dude this is a guy that turned into a giant snake in part three and tried to eat Kristen, and they turn him into a caterpillar that smokes pot like i was like that's so stupid um and what other there's oh when freddie when he couldn't really have his powers i think this is at the beginning he comes out of the pavement he's really giant but then he just turns into dust I think, or or when he appears for that Destiny's Child girl, Kelly Rowland, and puts the claws in her nose and rips her nose off. But even that didn't really happen. But that was really bad CG as well. There was just so much bad CG in this movie. And that's a good point. I forgot about that. Well, it had the timing, I think, would have is kind of bad because it came out in the 2000s, which many of us can agree was a bad decade for horror and for American <laughs> history, too. But still... To your point, Freddy versus Jason, it doesn't make any sense, but that's the beauty of it all. I think it succeeds because of that. And rewatching Freddy versus Jason every time, I get this rather bittersweet feeling too, because Freddy versus Jason, this would be the last time we'll ever see Robert England as Freddy Krueger. And I'd like to take this time to really appreciate the guy's performance because he might be this totally irredeemable monster of the lowest order. But there's a certain charm to Freddy. You, you just, he's that guy you just can't hate. Even if he has lost his scariness over the years. It doesn't change the fact that he's still pure evil. He, The guy murdered children because it's fun. Yeah. And no one else could have played him but Robert England. Robert England is Freddy Krueger. There was an example of this in part two when they wanted to do part two. And Robert England's like, I'm not coming back to do a sequel. I'm loyal to Wes Craven. He gave me this gig. 
And they actually hired somebody and you can see original footage from Freddy's Revenge part two, where it was a stand in and he walked like a zombie, like Michael Myers. And they were like, no, it's not the same. It's not like you can, it's not like Michael Myers or Jason where you can hire a different stuntman in any, every movie. And you might notice with Freddy Krueger, you can't. It's makeup effects. That's it. But it's, and you need a skilled actor in there. Robert England had a certain way he stood on. He always stood on like an, uh, like a tilt because his, he said his gloves were so heavy that he stood on a tilt and he just was so creepy. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Like hats off to Robert England. There is no Freddy Krueger without Robert England. He is Freddy Krueger. He was brilliant. He, he's the only one that could crack those one liners. And sadly, yes, this Freddy versus Jason was the last time he was in a, f- a feature length film. He did a cameo on the Goldbergs, but, um, which is a show on ABC and I, it was okay, but. He even said recently, I think last week, that's it. He's done. He'll do voiceover work if you, they want him to, but he can't play him anymore. He just says he's just too old. He says it's a lot of work uh, going into that makeup. And so people thought, oh, well, then anybody can play Freddy. Just find a good actor. But uh, no, that's not true. And it also really warms my heart. And I find really nice that outside of the camera, Robert England is a really cool guy. For a guy who plays a serial killer who hunts down children and teens, he's a very polite, humble, down-to-earth, and respectful to his crew and to his own fans. God bless the guy. And there will never be another Freddy Krueger like Robert England. Yeah. Well, about that, what you just said, too bad. Segway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I can't believe we're ending the podcast on this note. <laughs> no, we have to do it, even if it tortures all of you fans out there. So put up with it. Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Oh, my God. Will it shock you when I say I actually watched this before the original film? That does shock me. Oh, my goodness. So you must have been blown away when you watched the actual movie. Oh. I'll say this, first of all. I I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it as well. It's a just a rehash of what we've already seen before. But yeah. I'll say this, but personally... I actually loved, and yes, I loved uh, Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy. I feel he did a great job stepping into Robert England's shoes. This version of Freddy is darker, meaner, and even more serious, but he still has that sick sense of humor that's always been a crucial part of the character. While he's by no means better than Robert England, I think we can agree this Freddy is far more monstrous than the original. He is, he is. And I'm a big fan of Jackie Earl Haley. I've seen him in some other films as well. He is a genuinely creepy person out of makeup, and he's a great actor. So those were big shoes to fill. They could have put Tom Hanks in that role or or anyone. I think Billy Bob Thornton was rumored for some time, but um, you can't you just can't replace Robert England. So he did what he could with this role. Um, they tried their best to make his makeup look different, like act like an actual burn victim. And he did what he could. And I th- I think he did what he could with it. It was the script that let him down. I think if they had a better writer to come in and try something a bit more original, but still use that Freddy character, I think it actually would have been fine. But this movie just did too much to try to be like the original. And it just, if it, they not only did they repeat scenes from the first one, they did it worse with CGI, which I hate. So yeah, like I, like I agree with you. I don't hate this film. It's just, I don't think they needed to make it. To be honest with you, I think if they were going to remake a, yeah, if they were going to remake an Elm Street film, remake Dream Warriors, at least try something a bit more fun and fantasy like. Don't bother with this one. And, and then the actors, I'm sorry, but Rooney Mara and, um, I think it was Kyle uh, Gallner, Katie Cassidy, like they are so boring. I was falling asleep just looking at them. Nancy turned into this strong, smart A student to the creepy, artsy, fartsy girl that's just awkward and, Oh, I'm just so quiet and upset. And I'm like, no, no, that's not Nancy. So they just got everything wrong. Yeah, it's exactly. Rooney Mara, no disrespect to her. I've seen her act in way better movies than this. But here, her performance is just bland, lifeless, and robotic. She sleepwalks through the entire movie. In fact, it really doesn't help that Rooney Mara, she has stated time and time again that she hated the movie. She had a lack of enthusiasm that she almost considered wanting to quit acting for a time. 
Jeez, I didn't know any of that. See, I didn't look up too much trivia on this film because it's not my favorite, but I'm not surprised by it. I think shame on her for even accepting the role then. I think you knew what you were getting yourself into and I don't know. I think it's time now to do another reboot or do something. Um, the only part that I really loved about it, that ending with the mom, that actually got me. I said, okay, that's good. They corrected what they did bad in the first one and made it better because that was disgusting where he comes through the mirror and the claws come right through the mom's head and pulls her in. I was like, woo, they got me. Okay. that I watched this whole movie for that payoff. Um, I do like the scenes where like she was at the grocery store going in and out of sleep and you can oh, see the blending. Like the effects were awesome in some of those scenes. So I'll give them that. It's just the script let them down. I think the film could have been great or at the very least decent if it tried to add something new to the table. Like I like the micro sleep part and I've been reading micro comments, sleep, thank you. Yeah. right? And I've read some comments that the movie could have been better if Freddy was innocent all along. In fact, the movie plays around with the possibility that he might be innocent, but nope, they throw that out the window and make him worse by revealing that he is a child molester, which Yes, uh, Wes Craven actually wanted Freddy to be a child molester back then, but didn't because of the whole scandal that was occurring at the time. But it has all been but confirmed in the remake. And what do you think about that, the decision to make Freddy a full-blown pedophile? So the thing with that is it was just insinuated in the first ones. And you're right, Wes Craven was going to full-blown say it out loud but he didn't he just said child murderer but it was always kind of insinuated with some of the scenes or some of the nightmares that you know Kristen parker would witness in part three and that nancy would see in part one you kind of it was it was just insinuated which was more than enough and i was on the same boat as you with this remake i thought oh wow are they gonna make freddy krueger innocent because that would under that would that would totally explain why he's so angry and that would actually make it even more more of a redemption for him and revenge, like vengeful for him to go out and get all these kids saying, you know what? I actually didn't do any of this and you guys killed an innocent man. Now I'm coming after you, but you're right. They not only did they totally go that route and then throw it out and say, Oh no, he ran. Actually he is a child murderer and he is a molester. Here's pictures of kids in underwear and da da da. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They didn't need to go blunt with it like that. They didn't need to throw it in your face with Polaroids and all of that. Like that's, I thought then now this is stupid. Now he is an evil man. We already thought he was anyways. Um, I just thought it was lazy writing. I just think the writing in this movie is so bad. They didn't need to go that route. 100% agreed. If they had kept him innocent, then I would have had a bit of empathy for Freddie and then would understand why he's killing people. But at the same time, it, that makes him even more scary because he's vengeful. But this is, it's, no, he's, he's just, ugh. I thought it was so pointless. Yeah, it kind of made him, it made him gross. It made him like evil, but in a way that we just can't like him. Pedophilia is a very serious, hard subject matter. And I don't think a slasher movie is the right place to discuss this all too real topic. Exactly. They could have just left it that he was a sick old son of a bitch that murders children because there's a lot of, I mean, child murder is sensitive as well, but pedophilia, there's just certain things that you don't tackle. That's, that's a little too taboo for my taste. Um, yeah. Didn't like that decision. Didn't like the decision. Overall, the movie was okay. Uh, they were going to film, they were going to do a sequel because the movie actually made a lot of money. Um, the budget was 35 million and I think it made 80 something. It made a lot of money. And they had a sequel planned, but the reception was so negative that New Line was like, forget it, because they already know what's going to happen. The sequel is going to bomb and they will waste their money. So I think they did the right thing. And I think I'm curious where the franchise is going to go now. Right. And for many years, this would be the last time we'll ever see Freddy Krueger on the big screen, too. I know. Ugh. It's just so sad. I always like to think that. Wes Craven's new nightmare was the last time. <laughs> ah, Fred, Fred, no, Freddy, you know, no, no, no. I shouldn't say Freddy versus Jason was, you're right. We, 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 I agree with you. That movie was good. And Robert England kicked ass in that movie. I like his little wink. I know we're going back to Freddy versus Jason, but at the end of the movie, when Jason's holding his head, and he does that little wink. I was like, okay, good. Freddy's not dead. Got it. But yeah, this remake is very unfortunate that it's the last time we've seen him on screen. It, But it also proved you can't replace Robert England. You just can't. Exactly. Yeah, very, very true. And 
I believe that is all the time we have left for today's episode. We did it. We covered it all from the original to the remake. And this has been such a pleasure. A Nightmare on Elm Street is arguably one of my top three favorite horror franchises, the other two being Halloween and Saw. Because even when a movie in the franchise isn't good, there's always a lot of great things to be found in them. I'm always having a great time. I grew up with these slasher films. My whole teenage years were full-blown of slasher films. Some kids had Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, or even Daisy Duck as their friends. But for me, for us, we've had Freddy, Jason, and Michael. They're like good friends to us. I ditto that, everything you just said. That's what I grew up with. Those guys were my icons. I had all the VHS tapes. Um, my favorite, I always went to the horror section in the video store, and to this day, I still love all my horror, my horror icons. I'm excited to see Halloween Kills. I, I'm wearing my Elm Street t-shirt, and I absolutely love it, and I'm excited to see what they do with the Elm Street franchise. I hope that they just retcon everything and do a direct sequel to part one. Definitely. That would be mind-blowing. And until then, thank you very much, T, for coming here. This has been Sin City Live for CMRU.ca. I'm Nick Manessis, joined here by the T-Man. See you next week, same time as always, here on CMRU.ca. On the next Sin City... Don't go trick-or-treating this year. Have some Activia, because Michael Myers is back. He's come to kill again in, well, Halloween Kills. Next Friday, tune into Sin City for the review of this anticipated bloodbath. I'm coming for you, Michael. Only on CMRU.ca, Spotify, Feel Loud Images, Google, and Apple Podcasts.